Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Hey podcast, this is Corey from Best Served. This podcast is a recording of a clubhouse talk about restaurant industry, mental health, and self-care. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, Jensen Cummings with Best Served, Best Served Creative, Best Served Podcast. For anybody that I don't know, uh, our mission really is to amplify the worth and work of those who feed their community, which is all of you, which is all of us in uh, hospitality, food and beverage. And the worth part of that has become more and more important to me personally, as I've reflected on my 20 plus years in the industry and that journey. And uh, I'll spend some time later kind of sharing some personal stories and telling on myself a little bit because it's it's a lot of reflection that we're doing as, a, as individuals and as an industry as a whole. And so this topic of thinking about our, our mental health, our care plans, how we're taking care of ourselves and how we take care of each other, something we struggle with in this industry. We are so good at taking care of the guest. We have so much ability to leave it all on the field and create a memorable moment, a memorable experience for others. And a lot of times that doesn't leave a lot for ourselves. And so I want to really, really reflect on that because it's important for us. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of tropes that, that fly in this industry that we just kind of take for granted. And, you know, it's, we, we leave our shit at the door right? You put a smile on because it's part of your uniform and there's strength and massive vulnerability in this tough guy, tough gal mentality that myself thought was the strength that I needed to project for this industry as somebody who had the responsibility of leadership. Yet I think time and time again, I recognized that I was putting up a facade, you know, it may have been, it may have been authentic. It may have been real to my experience in the moment or, or my hustle, Yet it's still a facade and we need to recognize that at restaurants, we put a facade. Again, they can be authentic, yet we are always trying to project joy and there's a lot of pain that it takes to get to that point. And so that's for me, was something I wanted to reflect on. We really want to focus on thinking about, for a chef, for me, it's, I spent so much time focusing on the food and I know a lot of you have that same experience and it was all about the food. And what I recognize now is that it was a massive vulnerability for myself. And now the focus for us has to be, you know, why and who before what and how, why we get out of bed in the morning, who it is we serve, who it is that we want to surround ourselves with. It just is more important than what we do and how we do and thinking that's what separates us. So that's really what I wanted to bring to the forefront and I'm excited that uh, friend Katie Osuna, host of the James Beard Award-winning Copper and Heat podcast, wanted to collaborate on this because it's such an important topic. And uh, Katie, you know, for you, uh, I just listened actually to the episode uh, that Hassel, who we'll hear from, is in, and uh, Ariel as well, who, who's speaking on this topic. And uh, it's, it's so important. So what we're going to do, everybody, is we're going to do a little bit of a panel type discussion. So we kind of have the stage set 
for a little while. We're going to talk about our personal experiences within the space. We're going to talk very specifically about a lot of tips and resources that uh, are out there and available and need to be more openly embraced, in my humble opinion, and we'll hear from the uh, the group as well. We will open up a few different times, kind of feel out the room and open up and allow hand raising that people can raise their hands and uh, ask to come up on stage, ask some questions, give context with their own personal stories. So uh, a little bit more of a panel discussion with some Q&A kind of built in, not necessarily at the end, we'll intersperse that a little bit as, uh, as this conversation evolves. Uh, Katie, I want you to lay some groundwork for us. You know, you do an immense amount of research and background on your topics. Season three, pre-shift for you, an amazing name for something that's so important. We need to normalize our process of checking in with ourselves and each other like we do in pre-shift. And I uh, wanted to have you set a high level. I want you then to, we'll bring Hassel into the conversation. I want to have uh, uh, each of the the... Uh, panelists that we have up right now, just take a moment, 47 seconds, just to introduce yourselves. And once Katie lays some groundwork for us, introduce yourselves to kind of know who we're going to hear from. uh, And then we'll circle back and spend a couple minutes on each of you setting the high level expectation for kind of your journeys, where your head is at, where your work and focus is at within the space. And then we'll dig deeper and deeper into each layer, making sure we give people practical advice, resources, and some connections as well. So Katie, lay, lay, lay some groundwork for us here. <laughs> Thanks, Jensen. Yeah, I'm super stoked that you you wanted to, to collaborate on this because it's something that I've been um, thinking about over the last three years, I guess, that we've been doing the podcast. Um, and I'm actually probably going to deflect the research part to Hassel because I know that that she, with not nine to five, have just like a ton of research about about the industry. Um, but I wanted to give a little bit about who I am and why I wanted to to talk about mental health and just why we talk about the issues that we do on Copper and Heat. Um, so yeah, I I run Copper and Heat the podcast. Um, I have been in the industry for eight, nine, ten years, somewhere around there. <laughs> Don't even know anymore. Um, and what we do at Copper and Heat is we we talk about the unspoken rules and traditions of restaurants, just the things that, you know, cooks and other people in the industry don't want to talk about very much. Um, Like Jensen said, we're on our third season, which is called Pre-Shift. We usually do like a narrative kind of essay style show, um, but for season three, especially because of the pandemic and just like hearing what our listeners really needed, which was resources and tips and like, how the fuck do I navigate this right now? Sorry, can I curse? I just realized I... <laughs> I don't see why not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, um, yeah, like how do we navigate these challenges that we're going through right now that have always been an issue, but especially right now, everything's amplified. Um, and so in, in pre-shift, we talk about, and Hassel and actually Laura, who's in here as well, talk about these with us is like conflict resolution and how do we set healthy boundaries and we've been talking about some of those kinds of issues for the first half of the season we're going to be going into some other more like um political action and collective action and organizing in the second half but um yeah i think mental health was a a huge topic that i wanted to talk about because as somebody who's been in the industry for a long time um And I'm still very, very much in the process of trying to like figure out a care plan for myself around my mental health. 
as somebody that has like depression and anxiety that was very much amplified by working in like fine dining Michelin star kitchens. Um, mental health was something that I really, really wanted to talk about and kind of dive into. And so actually Hassel Avilas, who runs Not 9 to 5, is in here. And then Laura Green, who was also on our episodes, who um, is a counselor and has Healthy Poor, have both been immensely helpful in kind of laying the groundwork to help me and then also kind of develop those episodes. So yeah, I'll uh, throw it over to Hassel. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's happening in the industry and what that looks like. Of course. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Katie. And thanks, Jensen, for the intro and for the invite. Um, so my name is Hasela Villas, coming at you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'm born and raised here, but I also have um, been born and raised in the industry, hospitality, restaurants, bars, almost every front of house, you know, position you can have all the way up to owning a restaurant. And that entire time I struggled quite severely um, with diagnosed mental illness and other mental health challenges, a lot of substance use challenges as well. Um, and throughout all of those, you know, years, it just felt like it was the elephant in every room. And after about a decade and a half of that, I got really sick of losing friends um, to suicide. And I got really sick of the suffering and silence approach. Um, and, you know, Jensen, you kind of touched on it earlier of how we were always molded and guided to, quote unquote, check your shit at the door, leave your emotions, you know, out of it and repressing and suppressing whatever experience, mental, emotional you know, that you're having. And so in late 2017 was the first time I started talking more openly and publicly about my mental health experiences. And it kind of just felt like the floodgates were opened from then on. Um, early 2018 launched Not 9 to 5. So if anyone's listening and they're like, what is Not 9 to 5? Um, it's a nonprofit organization that focuses on empowering the hospitality and culinary industries with mental health and substance use support skills. Um, really, really focus on trying to increase psychological safety in the workplace. Really big fan of harm reduction approaches and really just trying, you know, to not just create awareness and normalize these conversations, but more importantly, start to move the dial and shift this industry away from you know, so much of the harm that is caused and has been caused in the past due to so many oppressive, you know, influences that show up in the workplace. Um, so, you know, uh, in, it's funny how sometimes when you start to open up about your own mental health experiences, you realize that there's hundreds and thousands and millions of other, you know, people, because the more you learn about this, you realize that everyone has mental health. So in the same way we all have physical health, we all have mental health. And for some reason that's not taught in school when we're little. Um, and so we grow up thinking what's wrong with me and you know, you put yourself down because you think that quote unquote, maybe you're not strong enough, which you know, is the furthest thing from the truth um, in actuality. And so, yeah, I love these conversations. Thank you for having me. I know there's lots of other panelists, so I will pass it on to Laura. Green, who I'm so happy is here and joining us as well. Uh, oh, and I see Patrick is here too. That's exciting. Oh my goodness. I'm happy to be here too. Um, thank you, Hassel, and thank you for the, the warm introduction, Katie, and both of you really. 
Um, but yeah, my name is Laura Louise Green. I am, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I live in Chicago, Illinois, and I also have worked in the hospitality and drinks industry for many, many years, nearly two decades now. So um, I went back to school to be a counselor to actually get out of the industry because I was like, this is, <laughs> this is not, this is not working here is a lot of fun and I've created wonderful relationships and I'm stimulated in my creativity in like so many wonderful ways. But I really realized that if I stayed in the industry that um, I was not putting myself in, I was not putting myself in conditions to thrive. And so I was like, you know, I, I do want to study. I was really interested in, at that time, particularly in, um, group dynamics and how the group, <laughs> how the group impacts the individual, how the individual impacts the group, um, larger social structures like, you know, sexism, racism, and I was really interested in career choice, um, which is funny because now many years later, since almost a decade later, after starting graduate school, I've sort of come back to those um, those <laughs> research and uh, professional interests, but within the context of hospitality, um, I realized after I was graduating and, you know, the time came to, you know, go and be a counselor and actually, um, you know, find my office and join a practice beyond, you know, my practicum and internship and clinical hours. Um, you know, I, I sort of looked around and I was having a hard time leaving the industry, which, you know, I, I think that's something that we all encounter of, you know, there's this, there's this pull into it. Um, but I also was just like, I had this realization that I had developed through graduate school and through practicing as a therapist and all of that stuff. I realized that I had um, tools to actually help the industry that I was, <laughs> I thought I was running away from. So um, it's been quite a few years that I think is certain, but um, you know, how I approach my work has definitely evolved. It's, it's really been, you know, and I say this carefully because, you know, talking about mental health, particularly within the hospitality industry is, um, you know, a, a very sensitive and tender subject you know, but it has truly been a joy to work with so many people within the industry who realize that this isn't a problem, um, to see so many organizations like Not 9 to 5, you know, pop up or, you know, not necessarily pop up, but to find these organizations and, you know, couple with them and pair with them and work with them. Um, some stuff that I'm working on lately, you know, it started in the beginning of my, I guess, research career of this it started primarily in substance use stress and burnout and studying those pieces and how they interact with each other you know what burnout is why it happens and it's been really cool over the last few years to take that research and really start to find what's happening on an organizational level what's happening on a relational level um you know some stuff i'm working on particularly now is in relationships and emotional regulation and emotional literacy. So looking at um, how our, you know, how our emotional intelligence and emotional liter literacy impacts our ability to connect, our ability to um, signpost when things are good, when they're bad. Um, and, you know, the relationships within hospitality and the codependent tendencies that we have, that's the whole like help everybody else before helping yourself thing that we commonly see. And how the indus industry, and particularly 
the culture of the industry, but also particular organizations um, can exacerbate codependent tendencies, can exacerbate narcissistic tendencies. That's a really cool thing that I'm diving into right now. And the relationship between codependency and narcissism within an organization. Um, <laughs> like that's kind of, it kind of rabbit holes it a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's also, you know, how can I help organizations who are developing programming to do it safely, um, to do it with, uh, you know, with, with a, um, a licensed, if you will, um, perspective, but also developing interventions. So like, if I were to look at, for example, something I'm working on now and outlining now is how do you take emotional liter literacy and emotional intelligence and factor that into service training? How do we how do we acknowledge that emotional labor is essential to the jobs that we do, especially if we are customer facing, while also protecting ourselves? How can we utilize that emotional labor to keep us safe and to provide better hospitality? So how do we take mental health and you know the issues that we see in mental health, better understand them, and then integrate them into the industry so that we can reshape how we approach what it is that we do? Um, so yeah, so that's I guess that's me. I felt that that was a really long thing, but... Um, yeah, I'm really, really happy to be here. And I know a few of you, but I'm looking forward to meeting the rest of you. Yeah, Laura, thank you so much. And Hassel, thank you as well for kind of laying some groundwork for us. Uh, just to reset the room real quick. Alyssa, I'm doing it. I'm resetting a room. I hope you're <laughs> proud of me. Uh, I am, I am. <laughs> yeah, we're talking uh, restaurant industry, mental health and care plans. Uh, we got a great panel of people who are, who are living that life, who are out there supporting, who sounds like a lot of us and all of us probably have struggled through this ourselves. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know that you've seen this uh, happen where we just don't, we just don't ask the questions. We, we always focus so much on the guests. We don't ask that, that question of the experience of our internal guests and ourselves. So appreciate this conversation. It's a collaboration with Katie Osuna, the Copper Heat podcast. Uh, definitely check out season three. Uh, pre-shift for sure. Uh, I want to take a minute just so we can introduce all of the uh, panelists and then I want to talk uh, tips and resources specifically. So if I can just go around and have uh, everybody who's up on stage, just take just a, a minute, uh, 72 seconds to introduce yourself. So kind of everyone has an idea of, of where you are, what the work that, you, that you're into is. And then I want to come in depth to, to kind of each person with, uh, with a couple topics and, and we can feel free to jump in as well as I know a lot of you are, are working uh, in overlapping and intersecting fields. So I think it'd be good for us to be able to layer on information and resources as we go. Also, we are recording this on Wednesdays. This will be up on this upcoming Wednesday, excuse me, on uh, Best Served Podcasts, uh, all our pages, Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we'll have links to all of the resources that are shared here. So you can uh, take a look at those if you aren't scribbling down stuff on a pen. So uh, I want to uh, have Patrick, Patrick Mulvaney, uh, just give us a minute. Uh, good, to, good to see you. At least I see a purple hand of you. Uh, let us know, uh, you know where you are and uh, a little about your work. I am sitting on my front lawn in Sacramento uh, where it's 70 degrees. The, the, the sticker on my picture is from uh, I Got Your Back, which is a mental health uh, thing that we started in 2018 after a beloved chef in Sacramento died. And the idea is that we wanted to see, to someone's point, we don't turn in to check on ourselves and how do we check on others in the industry. 
And so everywhere you go and every walk in, you'll see the I got your back uh, sticker next to the cheese stickers on walk ins. And and one, uh, there's just two things I wanted to say. One is it always occurred to me that while you can run away from the industry, I'm not sure that you can ever leave. And the other thing is that that when we started talking about mental health, that the fear of vulnerability making you weaker is strong. But what we've found and what I've experienced anyway personally is that vulnerability gives you credibility and that gives you strength. And for us here in Sacramento, that's enabled us to change the way we talk about mental health, particularly in restaurants. And we are four partners that we've had along the way, especially Hassel, who I hope is going to be talking about her CNECT program because it's really valuable. That's great. We'll definitely get into that. And uh, for anybody who's new to uh, to Clubhouse, and if you're looking at your screen, you see us randomly toggling our, our mute buttons on and off. That's actually the applause feature within the app. So anytime, since we can't really hear each other as everyone's muted, uh, it's a great way to acknowledge what somebody's saying, just to, to build some more in us. I know a couple of you first time on Clubhouse. Uh, Brother Luck, I want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge that you're here and uh, uh, have you maybe just kind of let us know your journey when it comes to, to mental health in the industry. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a exciting. This is my first time um, getting on Clubhouse. So thank you for the invite and uh, the opportunity. Um, I'm in Colorado, Colorado Springs, uh, about an hour south of Denver. Um, you know, been in the industry for the last 20, 25 years and uh, been a manager in the, in the restaurant industry since I was, you know, 19 years old. So it's, uh, it's interesting to watch, to watch the industry grow and, and to be a part of it and, you know, making the transition to ownership uh, to where, you know, over the last eight years, we now, we now have um, two restaurants that are up and running, one on the way and uh, growing a team um that's probably been one of the the biggest challenges of you know dealing with mental health is protecting yourself uh and being able to recognize your your vulnerabilities and the things you're struggling with and, and what you're going through um and being able to voice that confidently without you know fear or any type of of you know retaliation but building a team has actually been one of the one of the hardest parts uh because it, it it's it's gotten so it's gotten so so big so fast uh trying to ensure ensure that you're keeping the right culture um is 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 something that's really taxing on the mental health and i think no one ever checks in on the owners it's it's we're working so so diligently to protect you know the staff and and try to resolve situations um the pressures that, that mounts on our shoulders, I think is, is something that I I'd definitely like to see, you know, spoken on more and, and some more, some more services and things provided to, to give the right resources. So, you know, we can continue to, to handle things, but I've been, I've been very, very vocal about, you know, my anxiety, my depression, uh, PTSD, the things that I've dealt with in my life and, there's a lot of good that comes with it. There's a lot of bad 
I think that's been the probably one of the hardest parts is, you know, people treat you different once you uh, once you put that out there and learning how to still, you know, maintain your your stature and your presence without people either tiptoeing or taking advantage um, is, is definitely a challenge. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear uh, what everybody has to say. Brother, thanks for that. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, the way that you build your teams, you know, we've had Katie Fisco and a few different things. And like, I just know from any time that I want to know how an operation is handled, you talk to line cooks, you talk to servers, you talk to dishwashers, and, uh, and they all speak highly. So I appreciate uh, the vulnerability, even though I know it's, it's a struggle for sure when people are looking to you for that leadership. So thank you for that. Uh, Quay Lin, want to bring you in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of uh, your uh, views and work when it comes around mental health in the industry. All right. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the panel. Um, my name is Quaylen Harris. I am from Ohio. Sorry, my dog's barking in the background. <laughs> um, I've uh, been in the industry for 11 years. I started working at Outback Steakhouse as soon as I got out of college. And uh, a couple years ago, I created the profile Confessions of a Server where I decided to make funny videos and memes uh, just to try to help people have an escape from their everyday serving and um, the stresses that come with it. So I decided to create my Instagram page, YouTube page and Facebook page, just so you know, you get off of a long shift, you have something that you can look at to kind of just take a breather. Like, yes, I made it through that shift and uh, everything. And then as my profile and, and I started growing online, I had more people reach out to me asking questions about how I dealt with um, mental illness and depression and stuff like that, being a server. And it was a point that I had to learn within my first few years. I didn't think that I was suffering from it but then I was, and I didn't know until I actually got out of a restaurant that I was in, that was a very stressful situation. And then to a new restaurant where I looked back and I'm like, wow, I really was depressed. And the things and the habits I was doing was just coping mechanisms, not so much helping. Um, so yeah, I've been able to, I've had a few people reach out to me and say the advice I gave them Helped them, help them out. Um, people, you know, I didn't know until they started following me on Instagram or wherever they followed me from. And uh, yeah, I feel like this is a very important conversation that we need to start having more and more in our industry, um, all over the world, not just from where we are, but everywhere in the world. Um, so yeah. Quillen, thanks for that. Could not agree more. We need to have these conversations at every level in every facet of the industry and and have them become normal i think about this this is interesting i like that you know you're coming from this like i just got through this shift like this is today's moment of experience and this has been running through my head a lot we do so many things so well in restaurants we galvanize as a team so well in moments especially moments of of stress and and again that's strength and then we don't talk about the fact that we are stressed as fuck for seven straight hours 
because we got through it and thinking that that's the accomplishment. I think that is step one and being able to balance out that accomplishment. So in Katie's name of pre-shift, I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, what are the things that we're good at? Well, we're good at asking guests questions to understand how to navigate their journey and have a great experience. Can we do that for ourselves? We're great at Mesen Plus. I've been thinking about mental health Mesen Plus a lot. We're really great at setting our stations and understanding and checking in on that. So I think there's some opportunity for us to say we have certain strengths. We haven't deployed them towards our mental health enough or at all. And so I think about that a lot. We check reservation books to understand what's coming. We, we ask smart questions a lot within the, the context of the restaurant business and applying that to what the restaurant business actually is. It's a relationship business. It's built on human experience. So uh, I appreciate that for sure. Uh, Rebecca, take a moment to introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, this is such a great topic. Um, so my name is Rebecca Goldman. I own Taking the Wheel Consulting. Um, I've been in the food and beverage industry for over 20 years. Um, and in my company, I focus a lot on leadership and team development. Um, just like you were talking about, brother, earlier, um, I think one of the hardest things is building teams. Um, and I, you know, I believe that true success lies in the success of our teams. Um, and so that's the first thing that I focus on. And I, I try to make that a priority in my business for the owners, for the leaders and for the dishwashers, for everyone involved um, so that we don't end up one day waking up and not being able to recognize ourselves in the mirror. Um, I've seen it way too often. I've experienced it myself. Um, and, and, you know, we just, we have to do something about it because it isn't okay. This industry is too special to watch it crumble or to watch it take over our lives or to watch something that was so passion filled and purpose driven become something we resent. Um, so that's just a little bit about me. Thank you so much. And Zoe, to, to round it out, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hiya. Yeah, my name's Zoe. I think I'm the only English one in the room. Katie pinged me in. Uh, my name's Zoe. I'm a chef, writer and a speaker based in London, actually between London and New York. Um, I'm, the co well, I'm the founder of Zoe's Ghana Kitchen, which is a West African food brand uh, with a cookbook by the same name. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Black Book, which is a thought leadership platform for DNI in the food space, hospitality and publishing my particular lens there and um, more recently I've been helping chefs pivot their businesses online and helping them build personal brands um, to monetize <laughs> themselves <laughs> working less <laughs> and being happier and um, I mean I love this topic it's very dear to my heart I actually spoke this morning for uh, um, an international women's day event on a very similar theme but I mean I'm driven I mean, my personal story is long and probably a bit too waffly to, to, to share right now. But um, just to say, I'm 11 months sober in, the, in AA. Um, and I've been on a deep dive for the last 18 months, um, exploring what it means to be, um, to be me, to find my truth, <laughs> to be connected spiritually. And, and, you know, there's a lot of self-development and growth has gone on, let's just say that, not just over the past 40 years, but particularly in the last two years. And 
Yeah, I've just decided to use my voice um, now to raise consciousness. So I've got a, a clubhouse by that name, Cooking Up Consciousness, and just wanting everybody to embrace a different way of living, really. Um, finding truth, purpose, and passion from within, and sort of being embracing yourself um, completely, and being that, doing you confidently, and accepting who you are in the world, and monetizing who you are just by being yourself, essentially. So, yeah, I'm looking, and you know, I just love conversations around this mental health. It's not spoken above enough, especially in this industry, um, and anything to do with wellness and just being more conscious you know <laughs> whoever's doing that whether it's in hospitality or entrepreneurship generally um in the wellness space as well and health and nutrition everyone who's you know thinking about not just themselves and how to improve everybody's situation in the world um taking a step back from structural capitalism as it is now and white supremacy and all the narratives around that and yeah, I'm always keen to collaborate and discuss these kinds of topics, but um, that was a waffly introduction. I'm sorry. I've been up since five this morning. Um, I'll, I'll close out there for now. Well, that was great. This is all of our experience. We we do so much in this industry, so we're, we're all waffly to say the least. Uh, otherwise, we would be in nine to five cubicle jobs wearing a suit and tie, and that's just not who we were. We found our people, our self, sense of belonging, was crystallized in finding you know whatever it was the the dance of it the chaos of it the heat of it the challenge of it so i can absolutely appreciate that once again for me everything every strength i have is simultaneously a weakness if i don't understand it embrace it if i try to pretend it is or it isn't what it actually is so and i think a lot of us have that experience uh, i want to take uh some time here and talk about some specific tactics let's get tactical for a moment some actual tools tips that we can be utilizing uh in our processes it's one thing to address and recognize and that has to be where we start and most people need to just start there uh i want to make this practical for people that there's uh, some resources and some tips that they can utilize Hassel, i know you have a lot laura as well for you patrick i actually wanted to come back to you for a moment because I really love the simplicity. I mentioned this ideas of embracing the things we do really well. And you guys have just like this simple, <laughs> this simple little box that looks like a, you know, a third grader made it for an arts and crafts class and everyone drops you know, a color coding into that box to kind of check in and see where everyone's at for a shift. I thought it was just simple, playful, brilliant, yet very poignant and profound at the same time. Uh, maybe tell us about that a little bit and then please, so I'll come to you, but anybody who can like layer on top that there's a similar technique or resource that feeds into something we're talking about, please go ahead and jump in and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go at it that way for a minute, see how that works. Yeah, so we, uh, one, you're lucky that my daughter dropped off so she won't be able to tell her mother that uh, her boss looks like a third grader. But what happened was as we started talking about mental health and saying, What's important and how do we begin a conversation to make it, make it work for everyone? Bobin was brilliant in saying this needs to happen every day. And so she did, in fact, take an empty tea box, put four colors of construction paper on it, drew faces, happy, uh, neutral, angry, and in the weeds, and then cut out pieces of cardboard. And every day, a couple times a month, People would come in and when you punch in, 
You just put in the card, how are you doing today? Don't think about it, just really quick. At the lineup, you, whoever's running the lineup says, you know, here's who's coming in, here's the specials. All right, here's the temperature of the room. Mostly, you know, nine happies, two neutrals. One person's angry, but we know who that is because they're always angry. But three people are in the weeds. What are we going to do to help us all have a good night and get together? What are we going to do for those people who we don't know because it's anonymous? And if you're one of the blue cards, what can we do for you to make this a successful day and get you better? And what are you going to take from today moving forward that you'll be able to help others when you're not, when you're not in the weeds next time? And that's it. And then boom, off you go into dinner. And then the magic happens, right? So what you've done is create permission to have a conversation about mental health with no shame or stigma attached to it. It takes a little while for people to buy in, but then the conversations while you're picking herbs, pulling mats, folding napkins, having to smoke by the dumpster becomes, becomes more real, right? And what we say is we've changed from saying, how you doing, right? Because I'm from New York to how are you doing, really? And that comma and second word changes the whole conversation. And as a bunch of people have said, we're really good, right? Our superpower in hospitality is taking care of others. Is your coffee hot? Is your drink cold? Is you know your meat cooked the right way? Did, is the pasta al dente? But we never turned it on ourselves. And, and this is a way where we actually get to say, hey, let's slow down and think about how we are treating ourselves and the the payoff for people at the end of the day that they see is that by taking care of yourself you can take care of others better that's great and i think that for a lot of folks just having any sort of systems or programs is just really hard to figure out like how do we how do we do that and i know Hassel, we we talked at length about different ways that we can advocate and kind of build those systems and processes um, in our restaurants. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the tools that you do. I think I think Patrick actually mentioned it as well, your, your connecting course and, and some of those different programs. Um, because I think especially like the alone tool, Dear Man tools, both were really helpful for me. So um, yeah, if you can chat about that a little bit. And then I just want to jump back in, sorry. So, oh, so the, the backup to that was not just that we were there to help you, but the website and, and the work we've done then began to collate resources that are available. In other words, teaching people <clears throat> how to speak to people as they were having issues anywhere along the mental health spectrum, and then also having resources uh, that you can share with people to get them the help they need. So it's important, most important just to listen, but then it's really good to be able to have resources like the stuff that Hassel is going to share. Thanks, Patrick. Um, I, I love, I got your help, that that program with the colors. I think that kind of check-in is so important, like you said, to stop and take a minute, but also to get a pulse check of how people are feeling. Because I think oftentimes, you know, we're such go, go, go mode in this industry that we don't really stop and think, hey, how how am I doing really? Or how, how are my, you know, teammates? How are they feeling today? Um, and we're so focused on the job and how everyone else in the room or our lives are doing. 
Um, so in terms of the tools, uh, I love what you said earlier, Jensen, about like a mise en place. And I'd never thought of our tools this way, but I think I might have to borrow that term uh, as a mental health mise en place for, <laughs> for the hospitality industry. I guess that in a way is what I've curated and put together. Um, so what what they're, um, what's been mentioned by Patrick and Katie is a course that Not 9 to 5 put together last year. We were very grateful to be um, given a significant amount of federal funding. And what we did with that money was we put together a course to help people um, better develop um, mental health and substance use support skills, not just for themselves, but also for each other. And the idea is, and I actually, while, while we were chatting, I actually put the link in my um, Clubhouse bio. And so the link is connect is www.connecting.podia.com and that's connecting C-N-E-C-T, um, which stands for change needs everyone coming together. Um, the idea is that you take this course and you can be a little bit better equipped. Um, it's really basics. It's, it, you know, I didn't want to put this together to feel like school. I'm not a super academia type person like, you know, um, our good friend Laura, who's here, is much better educated and actually <laughs> she helped us put the course together. Um, I love learning, but I don't love learning in those settings. And so I was really passionate about creating a course that felt like something I would want to read. And I really, we really needed it to be written in everyday language so that, you know, I know when I've been struggling, I, I don't really like being handed a brochure um, as a resource and just kind of like shoot away. Uh, and a lot of the times, even when I did read these brochures, they were written by, and again, this is no offense to doctors, but it was so clear it was being written by a doctor um, and not being written like in the way I like to talk about these topics and just bring them down to a more experience, like lived experience um, level. And so these tools that are in there, uh, currently the course is offline because what we did was we put it out for a couple months and we had hundreds of hospitality professionals go through it and we've been collecting their feedback so that we can then put out a better version of the course um, that's based on all this feedback. So we're currently still working on that. But what I did do because I realized that we're living in a pandemic and we're all, a lot of us are still in lockdown um, and isolation is the enemy of mental health and the enemy of, you know, sobriety. And if anyone is, you know, really trying to work through those things, we wanted to make sure that the tools were out there in people's hands, even though we're, we're revamping the course. So if you go to that link, what you'll see is you'll be able to download all of the tools for free. They're downloadable PDFs. Um, Listen, these are not necessarily going to save your life. Um, I mean, they possibly could, but the idea with them is that they're gonna really help guide you a little bit in some of these topics. Um, so some of the topics include recognizing the, you know, the five signs of emotional suffering, figuring out how can you pick up on someone if they're really starting to potentially go from stable to unstable. Um, another tool is around fostering psychological safety in the workplace. There's another tool in there around harm reduction practices, um, another tool about, you know, how to speak up for yourself, how to have hard conversations, um, how to develop active listening skills. There's, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and the one tool that uh, Katie called out is the alone tool. So I took mental health first aid. I don't know if anyone's heard of this, but I highly recommend it as a great starting point if, if you are interested in getting more serious um, on how to support people through 
mental health, um, you know, crisis or just learn more about mental health in general. The only problem with mental health first aid, though, that I found was that A, it was too expensive. B, it took far too long. C, it was way too extensive in terms of the materials it covered. And so, you know, I was really inspired by it and I learned a lot. But what I wanted to do was take that information and then kind of really zone in on the primary concerns. So Not 9 to 5 in the last two years has been collecting data and research um, on you know, surveying hospitality professionals. And what we came to realize is there are very specific primary concerns for the hospitality and culinary industry. And so our course is based on those very specific primary concerns. Um, and so the alone tool is, is very much inspired and influenced by a tool that's in the mental health first aid course. Um, and really what it is, it's just a way to guide you through a crisis situation. Um, if you do find that you are in the workplace, because it can happen. Anxiety attacks can happen. Panic attacks can happen. Um, you know, people can hit a boiling point with their substance use in the workplace. A lot of us that work in this industry have experienced these, seen these things. I know I witnessed them many times and I never felt equipped um, on how to handle those situations. And one of the biggest things I learned from the mental health first aid course and one of the biggest things I learned in putting together this connecting course was that I'm not the help. And what that means is that if I cut my hand in the kitchen or if I'm serving and I break a glass and I slice my wrist open, um, I don't want anyone that works in the bar or the restaurant to be stitching me up, you know, or if I break my elbow in the workplace, I don't want you casting me up. I want you to support me to get me to the help I need. And I think it needs to really be looked at in the same way for mental health. So if I'm having a mental health crisis, I don't want any one of my colleagues or my teammates or my manager to be the help. They're not the help I need. I just need the support so that I can get to the help I need. Um, and so the alone tool really just helps you get someone, you know, through that experience, um, you know, and I won't run through the tool myself, but my um, website, you know, is listed in my bio. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, you can DM me, you can get my email, like I will happily run through um, the course in more detail if anyone's interested. I don't want to take up all of the time here in today's conversation. Um, but yeah, th those, those tools, I think, are a great starting point for anyone who's looking for some really practical resources, as well as visiting um, the Not 9 to 5 website. Our resources page does have links and PDFs and information for not just, um, obviously, Canada and Toronto, where I am, but also in the U.S. And many of the links are global. So as long as you have Wi-Fi, you can log into a lot of these tools. I don't know. I'll pass it back to you, Jensen, I guess. Yeah, this is great. No, I appreciate all these resources. And uh, just take a moment, if anybody else has resources uh, that they want to share specifically, that they've utilized, that they've been trained in, that they have access to, and just to kind of let everybody know that we will be sharing about two dozen links that uh, Katie has uh, has put together through kind of her background research and and a couple that uh, that I've utilized as well. So again, on Wednesday, this uh, recording will be available on the best of podcast uh, audio platforms and uh, you can get links to all those resources for sure. And not nine to five, definitely top of the list there with just 
an amazing amount of resources. Wanted to also then, anybody who's uh, not on stage right now, I do want to take a moment if there's any questions. Sometimes when you work within a space, sometimes it's just like in restaurants, it's hard to see the forest of the trees. So sometimes it's good for all of us to reconnect with people that are potentially not in it, not living it, not understanding all of the nuance of it. So if anybody in the audience uh, wants to pop on stage, ask a question of any of the panelists or generally, and then we can see which panelists would like to pick it up. Uh, please raise your hand. And uh, there's just that little hand feature down at the bottom right of your screen. And please feel free to do so. And Lissa will uh, add a couple people on if there is a need for that. Otherwise, we'll just keep uh, talking and then seeing what else we can pull out of the conversation. So if anybody does, please go ahead and do so. Uh, I wanted to see, just open it up for a moment. If there's any other resources, Katie, maybe for you, for me, Chefs with Issues, Kat Kinson's group, uh, Facebook group has been super valuable for me to just listen, spend time just understanding people's journey. Uh, John Hinman and Aaron Boyle have the Chow Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness Facebook group as well that I spent some time in just to just to try and understand and try and see my own journeys and recognize moments where uh, I was more vulnerable than I realized. So those are a couple of resources. Katie, any that are uh, top of mind for you that uh, that resources you want to make sure people absolutely check out? You've got a lot of them, but any couple that are important? <laughs> yeah, I put down quite a few. I think um, I'll just say one before I pass it to maybe Laura or Zoe, maybe either of you have some as well. But um, as far as like therapists, I think that's something that um, I have struggled trying to find people that I could talk to. Um, a, an organization that I, I heard of recently that I think is a great place is Inclusive Therapists. Um, that organization seems to do a great job. They have all sorts uh, all sorts of therapists. It's a big network. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know, Laura, if you have any other resources. I know you have a ton on your website <laughs> that I've poked through. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of finding therapists, it is, such a, it is such a personal thing. And a few barriers I run into with, um, with therapists, first and foremost, within the context of this conversation is that, you know, this is a very stigmatized profession. And sometimes there are, you know, like, therapists are also human beings, but there are biases of like, oh, you're, you're struggling with substance use, well, you're not in the right position, or you're maybe you should change industry. And, um, you know, that might be something that has to happen for some people, but not everybody, you know, so um, you know, the first thing, I guess, maybe advice is the wrong word, but in someone's pursuit of finding a therapist, being very clear of like, I love the work that I do. I want to stay in the work that I do. Do you feel, um, do you feel able and ready to work with me on this while I stay in this industry? Which also means that your therapist can help you advocate within the workplace and so on and so forth. But, um, one area that I really like to send people to one website is called Open Path Collective. Um, and like Katie said, if you go to my website, it's healthypoor.org. There's a tab that says, if you need help, and there's listed resources there. Um, I should probably update it now that I, it, the whole website needs to be updated, but there's still a lot of good information there. Um, Open Path Collective is a network of therapists, essentially a directory of therapists that work on a sliding scale. So I know so many people within the industry are not insured. And um, some of the prices, some of the costs per um, 
session can get as low as $35, which I recognize can also be a lot of money, but you know, it's, um, it's something when you do need that extra support, a lot of therapists also will be willing to work with you biweekly. Um, you know, and as I would say, as a profession, we're very kind people, therapists. So, um, yeah, people will likely be able to work with you on a financial level. There's also quite a few, um, quite a few places that are offering, um, free therapy right now to individuals who work in hospitality. So, um, you know, I can't really speak on a national level um, of who's doing that, but when you make phone calls, for example, that might be something that you mention and maybe like, you know, gosh, if you're in Las Vegas listening to this or whatever, calling someone, calling a therapist or a practice and saying, I work in hospitality, I need help, I'm uninsured. They might be able to direct you to a space that is providing that those kinds of services. Um, but you know, it's funny that we talked about mise en place because years ago I had someone reach out to me and say, um, you know, can you speak to anxiety in the hospitality industry? So, you know, of course I went round and round in my brain and I started reaching out to a few friends and, um, I was sitting at a bar here in Chicago, which is, you know, very RIP. It, it, um, went under during the pandemic, but it was called bad hunter. And I was asking the bar manager, I was like, what do you do to manage your anxiety? behind the bar. And he goes, well, yeah, he answered it so literally, which was so refreshing. Um, and he said, well, I want to make sure that I have all my mise en place and everything set up. And, you know, and then I don't have an anxious shift. And it hit me of like, oh my gosh, so much has to happen before going into the shift um, to really regulate our, you know, our emotional lives and our stress. Like, you know, the work has to happen outside as well as inside like when we're experiencing an elevated stress response or some sort of emotional crisis during a shift like we definitely want tools to be able to address that and those tools can include you know separating yourself from the stressor you know stepping away for a moment and taking deep breaths um you know uh just clenching your fists and then releasing them that will give you a little bit it starts to complete the stress response um, you know, taking a moment, as much as I don't advocate for screaming and crying in the walk-in, when you go into the walk-in, that drop in temperature will actually help to regulate your emotional life. So maybe taking a second to go in the walk-in, take a deep breath and come back out, um, those things can help. But if we are constantly responding to just the crisis mode, you know, putting out fires all the time as opposed to preventing the fires, um, that gets emotionally taxing as well. So, you know, making sure that you're regulating before that and that could look like a lot of different things. Exercise is helpful. You know, taking care of your nutrition is really helpful. Seeing a therapist is helpful. But I spent much of quarantine vetting some, um, some. Uh, I, gosh, I'm, my brain is so in the liquor industry, but like consumer facing, <laughs> consumer facing um, books that are written by uh, psychologists. What would you call it? civilian? I don't, I don't know. I can't think of the word right now. Mad apologies, but. Um, you know, of books written by psychologists who have done extensive research on certain topics that have then, you know, translated that into more digestible, um, non-academic friendly, um, you know, language, much like how what Hassel was speaking to. I think that there is definitely a barrier of, um, you know, language with, you know, that clinical psych doctor talk versus, you know, what a, what a person who's not from that field can um has space to understand, if that makes sense. Um, think books that I really like, Permission to Feel 
by Mark Brackett, I think is absolutely foundational to understanding emotional intelligence. And I would encourage any manager, anyone who works in the industry to read that book. Um, he offers some really great um, ways to regulate your emotional life, like the moment of pause before responding, let's say like the power of breath. Um, there's some really, really good stuff in that. So, um, you know, I'll put a, I should put a list of resources, like reading resources on my website too. Stay tuned and, you know, check back to healthypoor.org frequently because there's going to be more and more. I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now, trying to see what, if there's anything else that pops up to me, anything by Brene Brown too, thinking about vulnerability to Patrick's point. Um, anything by Brene Brown. Her Dare to Lead is a really, really wonderful resource. Her Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead podcasts are really, really great too. Um, get, you can get sort of like the Cliff Notes versions of a lot of these books that I've been, um, that I would recommend to people. But, um, you know, pursuing curiosity about yourself to understand who you are, how you react to things, what triggers your reactions, what your emotional life is like, what thoughts come up when you experience your emotion, you know, getting curious about yourself the way, same way that we get curious about our craft and sort of living that life is going to help you regulate how you move through your um, emotional life at work. And then if you coupled it with those things like what not nine to five put together um, with primary concerns and all that, then you are creating a massive toolbox for yourself to um and toolbox to protect your emotional life and to protect your mental health, as well as the mental health and emotional lives of the people around you. So that was that was a lot, but there you go. <laughs> no, that's great. And Laura, we're gonna call on you in the short term before you get your website updated. Katie will literally call you and you're gonna have to read all the books on that shelf because uh, even I can see right now, we, we have a Google doc up and Katie is furiously adding items to the uh, list here. So we're gonna get as many resources as possible. A glut of information for people to navigate through will be incredibly valuable. Absolutely. So I, appreciate, I appreciate that for sure. Can I add one thing? Sorry. Please. Um, so I just wanted to add one thing um, that I don't think we've touched on, but I think has a really, plays a really important role in this conversation. Um, I haven't heard it mentioned, so I just wanna make sure that it gets highlighted. Um, our industry is built on a really problematic um, system. It's built, you know, influenced by the brigade system, which is quite oppressive in its nature. And, you know, one thing I learned in the last two years in doing so much research and understanding and reading of like, why are there so many of us struggling? Um, and the big thing that really came up for me, you know, because we, we started doing these surveys and we started putting them out. And I mean, the results were... Were, were terrifying. Um, you know, when asked, do you live and work with mental health and substance use challenges or addiction? 90% of people in our community said yes. So it wasn't, and this is pre-pandemic. So it wasn't, you know, a third of us or half of us. It was virtually everyone. Um, because also lots of people don't feel ready to answer, you know, the truth to that question or may not be ready to even admit it to themselves. Um, so the one thing I just want to really highlight is that Anyone that li li like lives and works in, in this industry for a number of years is heavily, heavily impacted by, um, by, the, by that oppressive nature of the industry. And what that means is that very similar to the military brigade system, I remember I once sat down with a psychologist who solely worked in the military, um, and she really pointed out to me that when you have an oppressive system like a brigade system, it doesn't matter 
who you are, where you're from, what your you know background is or income level or gender, any of that. If you put anyone through this system, they come out affected. And what that means is that, you know, the impact of having to repress and suppress emotions day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade has an impact. It causes harm and no one is unaffected by that. So um, I just want to really highlight that a lot of, you know, the, the importance of having a conversation around mental health isn't just about personal self-care. Um, there has to be more emphasis being put on community care. And there really needs to be a lot more emphasis of understanding that we all play a part in this. And if you're in any kind of influential, authoritative role, owner, operator, manager, you really have a responsibility to create safe spaces for those that work for you and with you. Um, and that, you know, for too long, we've been paying attention to physical safety. And with this pandemic, that's only been highlighted. I mean, everyone has first aid kits in their kitchens. Everyone, ha you know, is thinking about masks and PPE and all these, sa you know, safe distance from each other. But no one's really focusing on the impact that this isolation is having and the, you know, the, there's such a high increase of, of you know, crisis and suicide happening behind the scenes right now that's not being reported on in the media and high you know use of substances and alcohol that again is not really being reported in the media and so i just want to really highlight that in our industry we can't always just be putting it back on the individual and we have to start looking at the systemic reasons as to why so many of us are struggling um, so that was just the last thing. I know resources are important and I'm all for it. They've helped save my life many times. But I just think that if we start looking at the systemic issues, then it becomes a more proactive approach, like Laura was talking about, and not just a reactive approach. So thanks for that. I'll, I'll tell a reflective story personally here in a moment uh, that kind of speaks to what you just mentioned. Uh, just want to kind of let everyone know we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon here. Laura added you to the stage. I want you to be able to ask a, a question. I believe is why you popped up. So I want to make sure we, we, we have a moment for you as well. I also, brother, wanted to come to you uh, before we wrap up as well, because you did an interesting thing at one of your events that really got me thinking uh, when you brought in a, a chiropractor. I want people to kind of siphon some of the thinking there because I think there's an opportunity there as well. Uh, just for everybody, this is, uh, you know, a weekly channel for us, uh, best served F&B Creatives is the clubhouse that we just uh, started. So uh, please feel free to add people into that uh, into that group where we're going to be on Sundays, 2 p.m. Eastern time, different topics next week. We're going to be talking about our first job in the industry. So today, very, you know, real, serious, heavy conversation next week, maybe equally heavy yet. Uh, I think sometimes when we think about where we started, there was this moment of finding that sense of belonging. And I think the more time we spend uh, trying to create those moments for the people around us, there, there's some opportunity there. So wanted to uh, let everyone know weekly, you can uh, you can find us here. And uh, if anybody does have ideas for other topics they'd like to see discussed, uh, we definitely are crowdsourcing at all times. Uh, reach out, you can see our, 
our Instagram handle in my bio, please reach out or reach out to me directly. Uh, you know, <clears throat> for me personally, I, I've had to reflect on several things, several things that I thought were strengths that I recognized were perpetuating some of the same macho bullshit that Hassel's mentioning in this kind of brigade system where I had two nicknames in kitchens that, you know, we laughed about. They called me the robot because I was unflappable. I never allowed an emotion to get in the way of the job. And it meant that nobody else's emotion was allowed to get in the way of the job. And I thought it was a strength because people could always count on me and they could. I was dependable. I was unwavering. I was the robot. Yet there was vulnerability in that because it meant that that was the expectation for everybody to be at whatever level that I was at as the leader. The other was, this is more ridiculous, was the camel because I literally never would go for a bathroom break because I would literally just kill myself on the line, do the job until it was done. My now wife, Betsy, had to text me, especially when we were opening new restaurants. We called it the new restaurant diet. I'd lose 10 to 15 pounds running up and down stairs to drink water and eat because we get so in it. And I've had to reflect on that. There was a seven-year span where I did not want miss one single scheduled day of work for seven years and went in on plenty of unscheduled time. And I thought that was a strength because I would take the burden and I would work the shift for somebody else. I would cover whatever needed to be covered. I would make sure that we weren't short staffed. And yes, I'm sure in the moment, the team appreciated that. Yet the macro, the zoom out of that is that that's what you had to do to be committed to the level that I was committed. And all of these strengths that I thought I had and in the micro moment, maybe they were, they created more vulnerability and they're why I burned out. I couldn't keep that pace for you know 15 plus years it, it catches up with you so I, I appreciate that thanks for letting me rant there for a second can, can i add on something to that real quick please do Quaylen. um yeah so just like you said i used to be that server as well um a little bit different level than like someone who's opening restaurants or anything but i was that guy if someone needed a shift picked up I was the person they would come to because they knew I would always say yes. If my managers needed to schedule extra people, they knew that I was the one to come to. But me doing that, in my mind, I thought I was being that guy. I thought I was being dependable. I thought I was showcasing that, you know, I, I'm there whenever you need me. And I would work as a server. I worked 21 days straight once without having a day off. And at the end of the day, I had to realize that even though I'm breaking my back for this company that I was working with, for the people that I was working for, for the, the managers and everything that was asking me to help out, at the end of the day, it didn't, it didn't mean as much as me taking care of myself because I left that company and that company still continue to be open. They still continue to do business as they did without me there. And in my mind, and I think a lot of servers' minds, we get to that point where we're like, they need me here. And that really wears and weighs on us as servers, as bartenders, any, any position of the restaurant. And I think that that is what also messes with us mentally because we don't want to seem like we're being lazy. We don't want to seem like we're not being dependable. So we hide our self-happiness 
to just suck it up and to, yeah, I'll pick up this shift. So that was one thing that I had to learn that kind of helped me with my mental health. And I, I, Uh, you broke up a little bit there. I think we lost. Oh, oh, sorry. Am I back? Yeah, you're good now. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Everyone knows me as being like a like a smiling, laughing kind of guy who jokes around and stuff like that. Cause that's my personality when I was serving. But I had a customer, one of my regulars, look at me, look me dead in my eye, and tell me, "You lost your smile." And that's when I. That's like the moment that I learned. I have to start taking better care of myself. I can't keep breaking my back for this company, for my bosses and everything, and that my self-happiness is the most important key. So um, I guess I just wanted to touch on that because you said how uh, you were just like breaking your back and everything, and you were just like that robot. But And, and I was the same way, and I had to figure it out by myself, but through a regular who saw me being like my mental health is wearing me down. I wasn't the person who I was. So yeah, that's why that's all I wanted to say. I'm sorry. Yeah, clearly no. Sorry. Thank you. Uh don't lose that smile. I'm looking at it right now. It's a great smile. Don't ever, ever lose that smile, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh Laura want to uh Oh, um, sorry. No, new Laura here. Uh want to have you sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. You're Laura uh Yaland. My name's actually Jen. This is my my friend's oh. phone. I don't have an iPhone, so <laughs> that's so funny. We've been having conversations with people even about this topic that were like, "I want to get on and talk with you." It's like you have to have an iPhone. The robots will not let you be on. Yeah. So, Jen, appreciate. <laughs> I've never that. wanted Please. an iPhone until today. So. Right? Please <laughs> ask a question to the panel, either directionalized at somebody specifically or generally, and we can see who can pick that up for you. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, um, I think this um, started off with Chef Brother saying that he started as a manager at 19 and then everyone kind of saying that um, they've been breaking their back and working, feeling like they're needed at work because you don't want to seem as lazy. Um, but then I realized all of us have started in the industry so young. How do we start training this new generation of staff um, who might be one day leaders in the industry to actually take care of the people around them, take care of themselves. When the industry is constantly moving, how do we move forward in tandem with the pace of the world and still create these healthy habits? You know, like sometimes when we work 14 hour shifts, there's no moment to stop to be like, okay, this is how we train on mental health now instead of, you know, let's just get through the shift, you know? Yeah, we all know that. Brother, you want to jump in with that? I think that's important as you talked about building your team. Any thoughts, anything you're going through trying to build that uh, next generation of team? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of the most challenging things that you're seeing is, is the generation. Um, you know, one thing that we've we've actually realized is, you know, we have so many different types of generations working at once. I mean, you're seeing millennials, you're seeing Gen X's, you're seeing uh, baby boomers all in the workplace. Um, so you have to, you have to really think about that. Uh, because they all come from different, they all come from different times. And it's, it's ex extremely tough as a leader, 
because we're trying to constantly make sure that things are fair and, you know, situations are being resolved. Um, the one thing that I've, I've really just tried to focus on is, is making sure that not only am I being present, um, but building those personal connections within our teams uh, and not forgetting to say the basics, like, thank you. Um, how are you doing? I love that. Really. I think that was a, that was a, that was a really good uh, piece that Patrick touched on, but you know, this, this new generation is, is connecting differently. So you're seeing a lot more of, of group chats and, and technology based systems that you have to communicate with and kind of break down some of these walls. Um, it's a, it's a constant struggle for sure. Yeah, brother. I appreciate that. You know, uh, I think what's, what's interesting and I want to stay with you for a moment because like I mentioned, you had just this very clever thing that stuck with me. And so hopefully it sticks with others, uh, is that there's just all kinds of different styles of communication, you know? And, and I think if, if we recognize that, then we don't get into this us versus them or big old air quotes, kids these days aren't X, Y, and Z. And so I, I really appreciate that you're thinking about that, understanding the generational differences. But you had at a dinner, you mentioned when we had you on the show and you were talking about how you brought in a, a chiropractor to work on the team. And it really struck me, not just because you were doing something for the team, but you brought them in. And I'm thinking that so many, I'm thinking about therapists, I'm thinking about chiropractors, I'm thinking about life coaches that are freelancing in some ways that are potentially to go get and have an office is incredibly expensive. And so I think about the costs associated with that. And I think about the bottom line for a restaurant. It's a struggle to invest in some of these things when margins are razor thin. So creativity around finding ways to invest in that, I think is important. And so it's just that little thing that you did really struck me. So I wanted you to just like break that down for a minute and kind of how that worked for you and your team. Yeah, so we, I was I was sitting on a panel um, in Chicago before COVID happened, and we were talking about benefits uh, when it comes to the industry, and and something just kind of triggered that I think it's it's more than just medical, dental, and vision, which we all know is traditional, which is extremely expensive, and and most restaurants are trying to find ways. I mean, we're we're at a position now where we have enough employees to begin start seriously considering those those conversations for our staff, but I. I really wanted to say, you know, what else can we do when it comes to to providing benefits for our staff? And I, I think it's thinking outside the box. You know, I've for for that example that you're talking about, we had a chiropractor come in before a big dinner service, and um, you know, it was it was a lot of them took advantage of it, and I, I think that was a as a piece. I, I really focus a lot on the barter system. I have a lot. I mean, we provide food. We provide beverage. So a lot of people don't mind trading some of their services, you know, for, for a meal, for a drink. So, you know, I've had, I've had my barber actually do haircuts for some of my, my staff and allow him to eat at one of the restaurants that, you know, he hits up daily on a lunchtime. Um, you know, we've had dog walkers uh actually take care of some of our team members uh pets which that's a huge thing you know st staff have to leave in the middle of the day to go take care of their pets you know that's a simple service that's not going to cost us a lot so you know we're trying to think outside the box and and create create a, a company that isn't the traditional format because it's broken and 
we're trying to we're trying to really focus on the leaders and and the people in positions of power and ensure that they're getting the right training you know every employee i always ask myself this did they get the tools training and support and if i can't tell myself that i can't say yes to all three of those things then i know it's something that's on us and we have to change our approach with that so you know thinking outside the box is everything i'd like to in a little bit if that's okay hazel i didn't realize you you uh, unmuted if you need to go first go ahead um you guys were you were talking about like the brigade system a little bit and one of the things i did in uh, my previous employment like before i started my company was a program called breaking down the brigade um and basically what that meant is that like almost titles just kind of went out the door um, and we just looked at things as tasks, tasks that had to be completed. And when we started taking a look at all of the tasks that had to be completed on a daily basis, we realized that like 80% of what we had to do was something that anybody could do. Peeled, peeled and sliced cucumbers, cherry tomatoes cut in half, shaved red onions on the mandolin. You know, the list can kind of go on and on, peeled potatoes. And so what we would do is we would create a do list every single day. And that do list meant that anybody can do it. We would bring in servers that wanted more hours. We would put ads out for people who were just looking for some, you know, part-time work. We would rely on temp staff. And what it would do is it would allow our team members to not have to work 14 hours a day doing things that somebody else could come in and do. Now, maybe it would take them a little bit longer but but there were things that weren't going to affect our quality and they were going to allow for our team members who we needed to be able to create those sauces or work those events or you know butcher all of the meats a day off and that is the most valuable thing that you can do in an organization um and so i just kind of wanted to share that with you like if you really just take a look at, at what you have to accomplish every single day six hours of those 14 can, can be done by my husband, who was one of the people that I would bring in to accomplish a do list or, or, you know, that single mom who was just like, Hey, I dropped my kid off at nine. I got to pick him up at two 30, but I, I can be available from 10 to two. And we would be like, great, come on in. There were days where I, I didn't know who was going to be coming in, but I knew that I was going to be able to give them a list that they were probably going to be able to accomplish for us, which would free us up to be able to look at the bigger picture and focus on the bigger pic picture issues. I love it. Creative thinking at every level. I appreciate it, brother Rebecca for sure. Uh, Akash, I want to have you take us out. Uh, so maybe you have a question for the panel. Uh, please ask somebody specifically or, or anybody who might be able to pick that up and uh, we'll kind of wrap it after this group. Great conversations from everybody. Really appreciate all the insights, all the tools. Again, Wednesday, Best Serve Podcasts, audio platforms, you'll be able to get the uh, the full recording, but also uh, links to a couple dozen resources. So Akash, please. Yeah, um, yeah yes. Uh, again, uh, Jensen, thank you for uh, having this group and uh, just been locked in for the last hour and all the conversations here have been uh, amazing. And I uh, just had a question um, for the room um, regarding uh, just an extension to Laura's question earlier um, about how can we uh, teach uh, teach them young, essentially, like how how can we talk about all these things when they are just uh, 
coming in in the industry and and what do you guys uh just think about like um having some courses or programs uh dedicated to mental health in schools like especially um you know in hospitality schools uh where they can just uh you know learn about these things uh at that stage and you know have that mentality when they come into a professional setting i'm done speaking here Oh, Hassel, it looked like you unmuted. You were going to jump in. Please, anybody, Patrick, maybe for you, your experience, Hassel, anybody, we'll just uh, wrap with this. Any any thoughts for adding curriculum to schools to build that in? Anything as far as onboarding orientation that brings people into the industry, understanding the, the value of it? Any thoughts there, group? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what I was, I was saying something, I guess it wasn't coming through, um, that you'll be happy to hear that I've already started down that path, at least here in Ontario and Canada, where I live. Uh, we have built three partnerships with culinary schools and hospitality schools where we are building our course into their curriculum. I couldn't agree more with you, Akash, that that needs to be something that is covered uh, from the beginning. In the same way that um, in many provinces or you know cities across North America, you need to have some sort of certification to serve alcohol um, and work in the industry. I'm really trying to work towards the advocacy to make these courses essential and, and mandatory, government mandated, um, so that you are not coming into this industry blind like I know I did. Um, but the other thing I wanted to add as well that are things that I think we can do differently to um, make sure that workplace mental health and that a lot of these issues that we've talked about today don't get repeated um, in the next generation. I think the biggest one is to understand that we have to like role model a lot of what we're saying that we want others to do, you know? And so I think if, for example, like taking breaks, um, Jensen, you were revealing, and thank you for sharing so much of your own personal experience, um, how long, you know, you would not go to the bathroom, for example, or not eat. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the coping mechanisms that come out of the intense stress of this industry are related to things like that. Um, disordered eating starts to show up. A lot of substance use starts to show up. Um, obviously ignoring our own bodies in terms of either taking bathroom breaks or just mental breaks. Um, yet for some reason, we're really comfortable going for smoke breaks um, on a regular basis. So I think it's just really important to make sure that if you're a manager or you're an employee, um, that you really start role modeling what you know you think you want your team to do too. Um, all of us have influence over each other. It's just the way our brains are wired. We all are influenced by what we see and what and we we tend to mimic a lot of behavior that becomes normalized in work environments. So doing all of those things are, are more important than you realize. Drinking enough water, again, a lot of these things sound really basic, but make a really big difference. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on that Brother you know, shared about some of the team practices that they were doing to um, in, I guess in lieu of benefits. I, I've heard of a few bars that have done this and I just think it's so brilliant that they can't afford benefits yet. What they've done instead is offer kind of like a monthly 
bonus or something. I don't know what they call it. The the one bar I know that did it, they called it like a wellness credit. And it was $50 per person per month that anyone could use in whichever way they wanted. So if I wanted to use my $50 towards therapy, if I wanted to use my $50 towards a chiropractor, if I wanted to use my $50 towards a yoga class or a book or like anything that had to do with wellness, um, that the that the bar was covering it for all of their staff. I thought that was a really brilliant way to support their staff and, and really start to normalize and encourage this behavior because I think for so long we've been like normalizing and glamorizing other behavior and we just need to start to move towards, you know, encouraging um healthier habits versus like the really harmful habits that we see. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to add is just really making sure that our industry understands what psychological safety is. Because I know I worked in this industry for 20 years before I even know what that what that term meant. Um, and even when I read it, I didn't really understand how that shows up in a bar or kitchen. And you know, over the last couple of years, I've come to really understand that it's more important than we realize. And actually, you know, to your question earlier, Alyssa asked, like, how do you talk about mental health when you're in the middle of a crazy, busy shift? I mean, that's a great question. And the answer is likely that you don't because you're in the middle of a crazy shift, but that you really address these things in a preventative way. So you have, you have to make yourself approachable and accessible and prioritize these conversations just like you would a new product, for example. If you're a bar manager and you all of a sudden are now carrying new wines or new beers or, or you're a chef and you're carrying you know, new ingredients that you really wanna feature on the menu and showcase them, um, you take the time to learn about them and your team takes the time to learn about them as well. And so those product knowledge you know, sessions um, become a priority. And so I think in the same way, if we want to really say that this is important and we wanna see this change, then psychological safety is something that needs to probably be talked about and prioritized just like everything else. And what that really means is that you have a work environment where people feel that they can make mistakes, be vulnerable and take risks without any negative consequence to how they're perceived or their job. And so when that happens, that means that if I'm a cook and I burn a dish, or you know, if I'm having an anxiety attack, that I feel like I can be vulnerable with my manager and let them know that I need some time, um, or I need to step away for however long, um, or if I wanna take a risk, I wanna get creative, I wanna maybe suggest some new innovative way on how to do a dish that's already on the menu, that I'm already in an environment where I feel like I can do that. And the more that the higher ups can role model this, like how do you handle the mistake in the workplace is a great indication of how much psychological safety there is in that work environment. Um, so really looking at how mistakes are handled and, and really looking at, you know, if the team is allowed to put in as much input as the higher ups. So making sure that, you know, input is coming from the bottom as much as it is coming from the top. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off of that, um, I, was, I was thinking this the entire time even before she started saying it, just to try to build a comfort with these new staff that you're training or even staff that are there because when they feel comfortable with you then they're going to watch what you do so we as a role models they'll they'll follow our lead um one thing that i always tell any new server or bartender that i'm that i'm training when they ask me advice 
the very first thing I tell them is don't be scared to mess up because mess ups are going to happen. And with me saying that, I feel like that like that that builds confidence in them to do this. So then they're not like that added on stress isn't there, um, which hurts their mental their mental health. Um, but I also as I'm training them, especially the younger generation, you have to I don't want to say coddle them, but you have to make sure that they are comfortable with doing certain things. Yes, they're going to have to get out of their comfort zone eventually because they ha- they're they're probably coming into a new environment that they've never dealt with. They don't know how to deal with things. But at least if me as a trainer, they're comfortable enough to come to me to ask me a question, to talk to me, even if it is someone else is being rude to them, they look at me as like, uh, I've been there for a while. I'm someone that they can talk to. That also would help with their mental state, them coming into work, them actually maybe enjoying work and not regretting going into work um, just because they feel they, they feel comfortable with at least one other person that they work with and that they know that that one person has their back no matter what. So yeah, just building that comfort within this new generation or anyone who you're training is very, very important. I, I just want to... I just want to say thank you, Hassel, and thank you, uh, each one of you here. Um, thanks for the insights. Uh, just really appreciate it. And then I want to thank Jason and Katie and uh, just say that one thing that everyone now in our restaurant has in their knife roll in terms of mise en place is uh, 1-800-273-8255, which is the crisis line. And we'd use that or with younger folks, uh, text 741741. And a lot of times you just take them out back and you say, give me your phone and you text the number or you make the call. You can talk to them and say, hey, I just want to do a practice run. I'm having sitting here with someone who's having a challenge. They may not not be ready to talk to you right now, but they just want to see how it works. And those people on the other end of the line, super responsive, ready to roll through. Hi, Patrick, what's your problem? This is how it works. Two things means that then they know it's safe. You're roll, you're modeling good, good behavior. Second, and more important, when you give them back the phone, you say, save that number. Put it on, put it under something that only you know, so no one knows you have it. But that way, I'm not going to be with you all the time, but I always know you have access to help. Because hurt happens alone, and as much as we want to be there all the time, we can't. So we want to make sure that we provide people with the tools that they need. And I got a jam, but uh, I want to thank everybody for being on, being on the phone call. Appreciate all your work. Yeah, thank you everybody so much for joining us today. This has been awesome. I wanted to piggyback off of what a couple people have already said, but just, um, you know, I think a lot of people say that the system is broken, the system is broken, but unfortunately it's functioning exactly how it was built to be functioning, right? It's it's a systemic issue. Um, it was built off of, like the entire food service system was built off of free or very cheap labor and mostly off the backs of immigrants and people of color. So, <clears throat> you know, the, the system's working how it's, how it's meant to be. So I think the fact that so many folks are, you know, really trying to innovate and do things differently is really inspiring. And to speaking of young, young folks just joining the industry, like I am so inspired by so many people who are doing some really, really cool things in their workplaces and really like pushing for that change. Um, Gen Zers are like really kicking some ass. So 
they they really like pay attention to a lot of those systemic issues and are pushing for change. So I'm super excited about where the industry is going. And, you know, I waffle between being excited and really overwhelmed and um, a little depressed about it sometimes. But I think I think we got this. <laughs> so anyway, thank you all so much for, for joining. I think this was such an awesome conversation. Jensen, thanks so much for, you know, wanting to collaborate with me on it. Super, super honored. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thanks, everyone. That's a, a wrap for today. Again, check in with us next week, every Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern. We'll be going top to bottom, everything that needs to be talked about in the industry. And please, I know all of you have topics that come up on the daily, and it is literally my job. An amazing team, a couple of them are here, have been here, that uh, allow me the opportunity to just communicate with people in the industry, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. So absolutely reach out. Anything that's on your mind is probably on hundreds of thousands of other people's mind, and we need to communicate about it. So appreciate everyone. That is it. And uh, thanks to Alyssa, as always, for for co-hosting and making sure that I don't mess anything up. And uh, I'll uh, check in with you guys next Sunday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.